All right. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you today. You ready to get into God's Word today? All right, man. Me too. Me too. So we had a great uh, break at our house over this Christmas, New Year, kind of extended on a little past that. Our, our girls were in town. We had we did a lot of fun stuff. Uh, for example, we went on a, a, a Marvel marathon. Anybody have any idea what that is? I, I'm now culturally relevant. I know all about all, Thanos and all those bad guys. Anyway, I know all about that. So we did that. We, uh, we threw axes one, one night, not at each other, but at a target. Uh, we, we, uh, we stayed up late. We played lots of games, went out. I mean, we just had a great time together. And uh, one night we were actually sitting at our kind of breakfast table and we were all around the table and we were playing these games, this game, this domino game. And uh, Liz pulls out her phone and so she just starts kind of doing a Instagram a story live feed kind of deal. And she starts videotaping around the table. And so you see everybody goofing around and being crazy and playing the game. And then, uh, and then she comes back around the table. And when, when she showed it to me, I was laughing at it. I was kind of looking at how goofy everybody was. And then I noticed something about the video that kind of bothered me. And here's what it was, as, as, as the camera was panning around, everybody's having a great time. Uh, it comes to me where I'm sitting at the table and you know what I'm doing? I'm doing this, just texting. It goes past, comes back around at the table and you know what I'm still doing? This right here, just texting. And I'm like, oh, now that's not really fair. I mean, I was engaged in that game, but like in that moment, it looked like I totally wasn't because I was doing this. And you know what I was doing in that moment? Uh, work. Uh, somebody calling, I got to respond right away. Got a, a situation, you know, I got to deal with that. And you know what it made me think as I watched that, that this little thing, this thing is always talking to us. And work is always calling. It's calling 24 seven. Work is calling. How many times in your life is your, man, you're supposed to be engaged in this ball game that your kid's in, but, but work is calling. So I gotta, I gotta quickly shoot off an email. Or I gotta respond to a text or I gotta answer a phone call or, or maybe you're on a date and oh honey, I, let me get this right quick. I gotta ask because work is calling or I mean, I'm in a moment. And I don't want to miss that, but work is calling. I'm trying to go to a movie, but work is calling. Listen, work is calling us 24 seven. We're constantly um, being bombarded with messages about work. So how do you balance that? How do you balance the demands of work that are 24-7 and your life? How do you balance that? I'm not going to talk today about whether you should answer the text or not or whether you should turn it, up, turn it off or whatever. That's up for you to manage. But, but I do want to talk about does, what does the Bible say about how we balance our work life and the rest of our life? How do we make sure it's all honoring to God? And so this, we're in this series called Balance. And we said last week that there's a secret to balance in life that comes right out of Matthew 6, Jesus gave it to us, that a balanced life is a, somebody finish it for me, a Christ-centered life. Say it with me. A balanced life is a Christ-centered life. That's right. So now what we're doing is we're gonna take that statement and we're gonna plug and play it into different areas of our life. So how, does, how do we live a Christ-centered life in our work? How do we experience Christ in the center of our work? That's what we're gonna talk about 
today. All right, so let's do what we do. We get our Bible out and we open up to God's Word. So open up to Colossians chapter 3. This is where we're going to be landing today. Colossians chapter 3, beginning of verse 22. And of course, if, if you don't have a Bible, we want you to take one out of the rack there. If you don't own one, take that one home with you as our gift to you. Uh, we'll put the page number up on the screen so you can follow along with us. Colossians chapter 3. Everybody got an open Bible, open heart, open mind, pen and paper to write down what God says to you. All right? Colossians chapter 3, beginning of verse 22. Uh, this is the Word of God. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. Now stop right there. The Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Colossae. And he has already established in this letter called the book of Colossians, he's already established the importance of Jesus being the center. In fact, if you go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 18, he talks about the primacy of Christ, the importance of Christ, that he should be supreme over all things. So he's already established that we should be living a Christ-centered life. When he gets over to chapter 3, which is where we're at today, he's now talking about, okay, how do we flesh that out? What does that actually look like at home, at work, and the different areas of our life, okay? And so he's going to talk about our work. Now, he addresses a certain group. Uh, in fact, the very first word there of the passage we just read is slaves, obey your human masters. Now, let me just say this, that Apostle Paul is not endorsing slavery, He is just simply addressing a pocket of the population that he's speaking to. You have to understand, during the Roman Empire, historians will now tell us that that somewhere around 40% of the Roman Empire were slaves. People that were overtaken as the empire expanded, they conscripted those people to work as slaves. So 40% of the population were slaves, so that's a large number. Many of them had heard the gospel, they are now come to faith in Jesus, and so they're asking the question, how do I serve my human master if I'm supposed to serve Christ as my ultimate master? How does all that work? So he's going to address them specifically, but what we learn from this are some principles about work and how to make Christ the center of our work, okay? The word vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which means to call. And so in a sense, your vocation is your calling. Now, when we think of calling, we often think of uh, professional religious people, right? So we think of preachers and uh, missionaries and priests and people like that having a calling, but not necessarily everything else being a calling. Why is that? Well, if you rewind the clock back to several hundred years in the early church, uh, people had, uh, uh, they had a view that there were some things of their life that were sacred, right? So they, when they prayed, when they worshiped, when they studied the Bible, when they memorized scripture, these were all things that were sacred. They were unto God. But once they finished their Bible study or their prayer time or their worship service, then they would go to work. And that was what they called the secular. 
um, uh, secularity. It, it simply means uh, of this age or of this world or of this earthly planet. And so the idea was that this is for God and then this is kind of just of the world that we live in. And so they separated the secular from the, the, the sacred from the secular. They separated those two. Now, when they thought about people that worked in the sacred realm, pastors and so on, then what they did was they said, these are men that have a holy calling, a separate calling, a calling unto God, but we don't necessarily have that because we're just working, all right? We're a blacksmith, we're a carpenter, we're, we're doing whatever we do. We're a merchant, that's what we do. So these had a calling, but not so much this group over here. Now, we tend to think the same way today. We tend to segment our lives into sacred and secular. You'll come to church and you'll go, man, I'm, I'm at church, man, I got my Bible, I'm worshiping, I'm hanging out with my group, I'm doing all that, that's unto the Lord. But man, when the clock goes off on Monday, it's just business, all right? Now we're gonna get down to business. And this is my world right here. This is my job, this is my work. And, and somehow the realm of the sacred and the realm of the secular never intersect. We segment these two out. But here's what I want you to understand. In the Bible, there is no such separation between the sacred and the secular. There's no such separation between a holy calling and everybody else. In the scripture, the Bible says that God is the center of all of it. He's the center of what you do at church and what you do at work. And that he wants to be the center of your life around which all that you do revolves. And that includes what you do from nine to five or nine to 10 or however long you work every single day. I mean, you think about it, you're, you are at work. If you work somewhere between 40, 60 hours a week, you're at work half of your awake lifetime. Uh, half the time that you're awake, you are at work. That's a lot of time. And God is very much interested in what you do in that space and how you use that uh, to glorify God. Uh, God wants to speak into it. So I guess what you could say is this, your work is your calling. Your work is your calling. Your vocation is your calling. He wants to be there with you in the boardroom. He wants to be with you in the classroom. He wants to be with you uh, on the work side. He wants to be with you in the clinic. He wants to be with you on that job uh, 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 workplace. He wants to be with you in that sales uh, encounter. And everything that you do, he wants to be in the center of it. Now, as I was thinking about that this week, I, uh, I found a website that was very helpful. It was called Theology theologyofwork.org, theologyofwork.org. I, I recommend that you check it out, theologyofwork.org. But if you read the Bible, you can't miss that there is a, actually a theology of work, uh, a, a teaching about work in the scriptures. So what does the Bible teach us about work? Well, to develop this theology of work, you've gotta go all the way back to Genesis. In Genesis, God uh, creates man right? And he creates man in his own image. God is a worker. God is a creator. And so as we're creating the image of God, he creates us also to work. And when he created Adam, he didn't just create Adam to sit by the pool and drink fruity drinks. He created Adam to go to work. In fact, one of the first things God does after his creation is he gives him a job description. This is what you're supposed to do. This is the work you're supposed to do. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, the Lord took 
uh, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. Uh, Adam's job description was to superintend God's creation, to develop God's creation, to expand God's creation. He packed his lunch every morning and he went to work, doing the work that God had for him to do. Work is not punishment for sin. Work is not like, oh, and that came in after the fall, after sin. No, no, no. Work, work was work before sin ever happened, all right? Before sin ever came into the world. God was giving Adam work to do. And God has work for us to do. In fact, if you continue to look on, work was always a way for man to glorify God by working and serving him. Work has always been intended to be that. In Exodus chapter uh, 20, verse 9, we read this. Uh, you are to labor six days and do all your work. So work was supposed to be a, a week long. You're going to work six days, and then you're going to have a day off, which is a day to rest and to refuel and to glorify God in it for the work that you did. That's how it's supposed to be. But it's implied you're supposed to work six days. Right? You're supposed to go to work. That's how God made you. And that's how God created you. When you get over to the New Testament, we discover that there is actually a phrase that the early church used about work. In 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 1, it says, if anyone isn't willing to work, he should not eat. All right, that's pretty serious, right? And so God expects you to work. And God expects me to work. That work is how we glorify God and how we make much of him. By the way, I think we're going to work when we get to heaven. I don't think heaven is going to be just, uh, you know, endless rounds of golf where every shot is a birdie, all right? You're like, whoa, 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 preacher, wait a minute. No, I, I really believe that the way you're wired right now, you're going to be wired in heaven. You're not going to be a different person in heaven. You're going to be you. You're just going to be unfettered from the sin that holds you back and weighs us down. You're going to be the best you you can possibly be that glorifies God. And God wired you to do certain work there. So you're going to get great enjoyment and satisfaction in heaven by doing the work that God has designed you to do. So work is how you were created. Your work is your calling, and it's what God has for your life. Probably a great example of this is a man named Bezalel. Okay, now you're probably not going to name your firstborn after him, all right? Bezalel, kind of an odd name. He, in fact, he's a very obscure guy. He only appears one time in the Bible that I can tell. But he appears in Exodus uh, chapter 31, and it says of Bezalel that God appointed him. The Hebrew word literally is called him. Bezalel had a holy calling from God. And what did God call Bezalel to do? Well, this is what it says. I will fill him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and ability in every craft to design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze to cut gemstones for mounting and to carve wood for work in every craft. In other words, God called him and God designed him, put a calling on his life to work with his hands. Not to preach, not to offer sacrifices, not to uh, pray, but to work with his hands to create something beautiful that would glorify God. Now listen, I believe that's what God has for every one of us here. God's plan for you is to fill you with his spirit so that you can work and that your work will create something that glorifies and honors God. God 
has called you to work. Your work is your calling. Now you might say, well, what, what if I'm, I don't go to work? What if I don't punch a clock? What if I don't go to office? Maybe I'm a stay-at-home mom, or maybe I'm a retiree, or maybe I'm a student and I just go to class. What, does that mean that, that I can't glorify God or God doesn't have something for me? No, no, no. Now listen, God has given every one of us something to do, right? If you're retired, I don't ever see retirement in the Bible. Right? Just look at the age of Moses and Caleb and all these great leaders. They were, they were well past 65 when they were doing the good work, right? And so God's got work for you. If you're a student, work your classroom. Prepare yourself as unto the Lord. Study hard as unto God. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you have maybe one of the greatest holy callings, and that is to nurture and provide for and care for your family and to raise them up in the admonition of the Lord. So we all have work to do. We got to remember that 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God, right? And so God has called us work. Your work is your calling. There is not just oh, the preacher calling and then I got something. No, your calling is just as important as mine. Your calling is just as valid as mine. Just as kingdom focused as mine. So with that said, how do we keep Christ in the center of our work? Let me give you a couple of thoughts to write down that are very practical things you can do to keep your work life in balance and make sure it glorifies God. The first thing is this, please God in your work. Please God in your work. Well, I tell you what, let me, let me back up and say it with the right emphasis. Please God in your work. Please God in your work. Look at what he says in verse 22. Slaves, obey your human masters and everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. He said, hey, first thing you need to do is you need to do your job. Do your job really well. Don't just do your job when, uh, when the boss man is showing up. I tell you what, there are many times where I had all kinds of weird jobs growing up. I, I grew up, my first job was sweeping a print shop floor when I was probably in the sixth grade. All right, and then after that, I, I worked um, in the fields on, on a tractor. I, I worked uh, Rogan corn and detasseling corn. Those were glorious jobs, I can assure you. I worked at an ice plant one time where it's 20 degrees on the inside and 100 degrees on the outside. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I, uh, I shoveled hot mix on the highway. I was a, one of the flag guys and I was a roller and I shoveled. That's how I paid for Liz's wedding ring is shoveling hot mix. I remind her of that all the time, man, honey, I sweat, I sweat for that ring, right? I mean, and I would often ask my dad, how come I didn't get a job like, you know, at the golf course, man, or something kind of nice like that? And he said, I wanted you to understand the value of hard work. It's important. And, and here he says that you're supposed to work hard. And the first thing you need to do is to do what is expected. Many, many of those jobs that I just listed off, there'll always be clowns. You know what I'm talking about at the workplace? Guys are just goofing around, they're clowning around. And then all of a sudden the boss man shows up. Oh man, they're, they're doing their job. Blah, 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 blah. And then when the boss is on, woo, all right, let's go back to it. You know, and they're just clowning around. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, work hard even when the boss man isn't watching, because God is watching, the Lord is watching. You're working for him, not for him. And so believers should of all people be the most diligent, of all people the most hardworking, of all people the most uh, focused in their work. Why? Because they're not just working to please the boss, they're working to please God. 
So here's a question. Are you pleasing God in your work? Are you, is God pleased with your work? I was listening to a podcast uh, not too long ago, and it was of an executive from Toyota Corporation. And he was talking about how they consolidated all their offices across the country and brought them to Frisco. And that whole move and how they negotiate through all that. And this man is a believer. And he asked, uh, he made a statement that kind of stuck with me. He said, you know, we, there's so many things that change. Companies change. Markets change. There's so much that's out of our control. But he said, I tell my employees there are two things that you can always control. One is your attitude and the second is your effort. You can always control those two things. So let me ask you something. Is God pleased with your attitude at work? When you go to work tomorrow, do you go with a positive attitude? Do you lift other people up? Are you encouraging people? You say, man, it's a great day. Let's go. I, I was uh, at the hospital this week. It was early in the morning. I was walking down the hospital uh, to make a visit. And this man walked by. He was obviously an employee. He had his, his little you, your shirt on that told the hospital. And he was like, and he was like, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. I mean, he was, he was just so positive. I was like, can I just follow you around for a while? Yo, you're so positive. Is that you? Are you upbeat or are you negative and critical? Why are they doing that? And I hate that. I don't like that. And why did they do that? And they did this to me. Are you negative and critical? What's your attitude like? Is it pleasing God? Is your effort pleasing God? Are you working really hard? Are you doing your very best? Are you putting in the extra hours to make sure the job is done right? Are you only just, man, I'm, I'm watching every break and I'm watching, I'm getting off right when I need to and I'm not giving any extra time. And are you giving your best effort? Listen, is God pleased with your work? Is he pleased with the way you're handling your finances at work? Is he pleased with the way you're handling conflict at work? Is he pleased with your motives of your work? I really think that we would all be well served if on a regular basis we just said, God, are you pleased with how I do my job? And if there's something I need to change, God, would you show it to me? Because we're called to please God with our work. We're called to please God. Let me, let me just, um, you know, Proverbs 10, 5 talks about work. It says that a lazy person is disgraceful. <laughs> That's pretty harsh, isn't it? That's exactly what scripture says. On the other flip side, Ecclesiastes 9, 10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Do it with all your heart. That's really what Paul's saying when he says work wholeheartedly. Do everything with your attitude and your effort in a way that pleases God with all that you've got. So is, are you pleasing God with your work? And let me just talk to you type A people for just a second. Everybody else can tune out for just a moment. Let's, you type A's, you know who you are. Look up here. Let me give you a warning. Do not make your work your idol. Do not make your work the center of your focus. The, your identity you the center of all your passions are all driven into my work, my work, my work, and everything else has got to bow down and move around to make space for your work. If you do that, you are creating an idol. Instead, worship God, love God, put him in the center of your life, and then let your work be a way, a platform to glorify God as you live your life. So please God in your work.
The second thing that you need to do in order to put Christ in the center is share the gospel through your work. To share the gospel through your work. Look at verse 22 again. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. He says basically the same thing he said in verse 22. Work hard, not for other people, but you're working for God. But I want you to write out beside that verse, verse 23, write 1 Timothy 6, 1. 1 Timothy 6, 1. This is what Paul adds in another passage. He says this, you're to work hard unto the Lord, get this, so that God's name and his teaching will not be blasphemed. What does that mean? In other words, he's saying you work really hard and work unto God so that God's name will not be blasphemed. What does that mean? Here's what he's saying. And I want you to get this. He's saying that people are watching you when you work. If you are a Christian and you make it known that you're a follower of Jesus, then people are going to watch you and they're going to see, okay, is his life any different? Is her life any different? They're going to watch how you handle your finances. They're going to watch how you handle your people. They're going to watch how you handle your ambition. All these things are going to say, is there any difference in this person? And they are making decisions about who God is by how they're watching you. I was talking with a lady a couple of weeks ago, and uh, she was telling me uh, that one of her family members is not a believer. And, and I asked, why is that? And she said, well, they've seen so many Christian businessmen make decisions and handle situations in such an ungodly way that they don't want any part of it. And I thought that's so hard. I was listening to another uh, group of people talk the other day and say, oh man, I stay away from those businesses that have the little fish on it. Ooh, I stay away from that. And the reason why is because sure enough, you're gonna say, hey brother, well, I'm kind of late on this project, but you'll give us grace, right? Because we're, we're brothers, you know? And they actually use it as a way to, to cover their lack of professionalism instead of the other way around. Listen, here's the deal. People are watching you at your work and your work is your mission field. Your work is a place where people actually see Christ lived out in your life. And you have the greatest opportunity to share the gospel, to have spiritual conversations more than I would. I mean, just imagine this, okay? Just conjure up your imagination for a minute that I come to your work tomorrow on Monday. I'm gonna call you up and say, hey, I'm gonna come by your work. Oh, uh, really, here? Yeah, I'm coming. Uh, Okay, all right, I'll see you there. Preacher's coming. So you, should, you meet me at the office and I go, hey, good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. Here's, your, here's my office. All right, good. Let's meet some of your employees. All right. Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Here. Hey, John, I want you to meet Craig. He's my pastor. Oh, this is your pastor. Yeah. Yeah. All right, nice to meet you. All right. Good. Everybody uh, talk nice now. No more. No cussing around here. Hey, make sure you take that off the computer. All right, and everybody act straight. Everybody straightens up. Oh, it's a preacher, you know, preacher. And then after I meet everybody, I leave and they're like, oh, what was that all about? Man, what's he doing here? I thought he kind of lived in the church building. Every once in a while, he creeped out in the, in the, in the town among the people for a little bit. Then he goes back up to his belfry like, like the hunchback of Notre Dame or something. You know, it would be weird. They're not going to open up to me. Why? Because they don't know me. But you know what? They know you. I know you, because you're with them every single day. You have the greatest opportunity 
to have spiritual conversation. I was talking to a guy this week and he was saying, man, let me tell you about my Bible study I'm doing at work. Before work gets started, we do a Bible study and we're doing this thing and here the guys are at it and we're always spurring each other on and praying for each other. I'm like, man, this guy is sharing the gospel in the context of his work. How about you? Are you intentionally leveraging your influence at work to share the hope of the world? That's what, uh, when you do that, you glorify God in it. You glorify the Lord Jesus, all right? So how do I keep Christ in the center? Please God in your work. Number two, share the gospel through your work. And here's the last one. Let me give it to you very quickly. We're just about out of time. Impact the world with your work. Impact the world with your work. Look at verse 24. Knowing that you will receive a reward of an inheritance in the Lord, you serve the Lord Christ. Underline the word or circle the word inheritance. Remember, he's talking to slaves here. They could not have an inheritance. But here's what he's saying. Listen, you can actually have an inheritance. You, can, you can't have an inheritance here in this earth, but you can have a heavenly inheritance. You can get a heavenly reward. How do you do that? By, by using your work in a way that glorifies God. Let me tell you something that's happened fairly new over the last decade or so that is really, uh, really significant. It, over the last decade, a lot of missionaries, pastors, church planters, missionaries overseas have been kicked out of countries. These are what we would call now closed countries. They're closed to the gospel. They don't accept missionaries or professional pastors, teachers anymore. All right, so they've removed them. But what's interesting is while the pastors and professional clergy are being kicked out of those countries, many times leaders, educators, uh, doctors, uh, people like that are being welcomed into that country to share their expertise with, with the people. And so there's this shut door to the professional clergy, but an open door for everyone else. And so this shift is allowed for people just like us to actually take what we know, our expertise in our job, and actually export that overseas and share with them how we do our work, but then also share with them the, the God that we love and the God that we serve in our work. In fact, the IMB, International Mission Board, has whole departments talking about your work as worship and how do you, uh, how do you export your, your, your work expertise overseas in order to make much of God. Um, in fact, we have, a, we have a plan in our church to plant churches all over the world. We have churches right now in Montreal and, and uh, we have churches in uh, Lusaka. We have churches in Ouagadougou. We have churches in Madrid. Uh, we'll be in Israel and London this next year. We have all these opportunities in North Texas and in the Northeast to plant these churches. But listen, we can't just do that by sending church planters, even though we do send church planters, but we need help. And the way we can help is to leverage you to actually use what you do best and teach somebody else how to do that overseas and then share how Jesus has changed your life. Picture it this way. What if we had coaches out of our church that went to Lusaka and coached soccer and then shared with them the hope of Jesus? What if we had business leaders go to Montreal and teach leadership principles, but then share about Christ and how he's changed your life? What if we had educators that went to Madrid and you teach educational principles of what you're doing in education, cutting edge in the United States, and then teach them about Jesus who has changed your life? 
You see, you can do that. Every, just picture if, if everybody here could take what they know best and export that overseas, you could actually use your work to impact the world. In fact, some of you are so good at starting businesses and you're entrepreneurs and you know how to make money. You could actually start businesses overseas that would employ church planters so they could have a job and stay in the country and plant churches. We could, we could, let me tell you, it's just limitless what God could do through his people with their holy calling to use that for God's glory. I never forget being in China with a friend of mine and uh, he confessed, he said, uh, he said, you know, I always felt like I was kind of the black sheep of the family because my brothers are preachers, but I wasn't called to be a preacher and I'm just an engineer. And he said, then I realized when I got to China as they were kicking all the preachers out that what they needed were engineers. <laughs> and he said, so I get to come and I get to do something uniquely unto the Lord and, and develop businesses that will help churches be planted. And it's all because my calling really matters. Listen, your calling really matters. Your, your work is your calling. It's your calling. And Christ wants to be in the center of your work. And your work, Monday through Friday, can make a huge difference for the kingdom of God. You don't have to go to seminary to do that. You don't have to be on church staff to do that. You can do that right where you are. You can do that as you please God with your work. You can do that as you share the gospel through your work. You can do that as you impact the world uh, in your work. Listen, you can do those things. And as you do them, this is what Paul is, uh, Paul is saying to this church in Colossae. As you do that, the God who sees, the God who is glorified, is the God who will reward you as work well done. Don't ignore your calling. Live out your holy calling unto God. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. And I know our time is out. But I want you to just take a moment to be still before God. And in the stillness of this moment, to build a little altar there and lay your work on it. And say, God, I really do want to please you with my work. Some of you, you're going tomorrow to an office and you have employees. Are you going to a classroom and you have students? Are you going to meet with clients? Are you going to go uh, work at a job site? And you're going to interact with people. And that is your sacred place where you serve God as you do your work. So would you just ask God, are you pleased with my work right now? Am I two different people? Am I kind of doing the sacred, secular division thing? Or Lord, help me to please you. Just tell him that with what I do. Now ask God to help you be intentional in sharing the gospel with people through your work. 
Maybe it's one-on-one conversations. Maybe you need to start a Bible study. Say, God, show me what can I do to really raise the spiritual temperature of the people I know at work. Now, would you just tell God that you're open to go wherever he wants you to go? Say, Lord, if you want to use what I do as a way to train others overseas and share what you've done for me, say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm ready to go. I just want to be used by you. Father, we thank you for your grace and your kindness to us. And Lord, thank you that you created us and you wired us to work for you. And that the place where we go to Monday through Friday, God, thank you that that is our sacred space to to glorify you and honor you in what we do. Lord, I pray that, that if you're not pleased with how we work, our attitude, our effort, that Lord, you would bring correction to that so we could please you in it. And Lord, I, I pray that you would give us uh, the perspective, your perspective to see people at work that need Jesus the way you see them and that we would do something to, to share the hope that we have with them. And Lord, use what you have equipped us to do to really advance your kingdom around the world. Lord, help us to to be ready to go, ready to share, ready to be used. So that when we stand before you one day and it's gonna be sooner than we think, that you will be pleased and say, well done, well done. Lord, we love you and we wanna bring you glory this week. So fill us with your spirit to that end we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.